you are Locked On A's, your daily Oakland A's podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How's it going, A's fans, and welcome to episode 171 of the Locked On A's podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, noted baseball fan, Jason Burke, and on today's show, I had this fun idea that's going to be taking a couple of weeks, and that idea is to go over some of the best A's players at each position since Billy Bean took over before the 1998 season. So from 1998 to today, or 2020, uh, who have been the best players at each position over that period of time? Um, so each day I'm going to be going over a different position group, naming the top four guys in the era by war. Uh, this is Fangraph's war, so I'm going by that and I'm not deviating from that, uh, for fan favorites or anything like that. I'm going strictly by the numbers and who accumulated the most war. So people that have spent more time with the team definitely have an advantage in this, but you know, that's how you determine who the best is, is, you know, who's served longer and all that stuff. And, uh, that's how we, we remember some guys. So we're going to be doing that. And then when when I post the episode, I'll put it on Twitter, and then there will also be a poll there for you guys to vote for who is the best player at that position. So uh, I'll, I'll let that run for like a week or something like that. So if you uh, take a couple days getting to an episode, don't worry, it should still be there. And I'll just pin the most recent one uh, to our profile on Twitter at Locked On A's. And uh, you can vote there day by day, and we'll be doing this for a couple of weeks. This way, I can kind of pre-record a little bit. And uh, if news happens, I will record, you know, different stuff, and this will get pushed. But uh, this way, for next week and Thanksgiving and stuff, I can, uh, you know, spend time with the family and not have to worry about recording. So make sure to listen to every episode, and then you can vote on which players make up the All Bean Team, which is what I'm calling it, the All Bean Team. Uh, so that is what we're doing for the next couple of weeks here. We're just going to remember some guys and have some fun, and you know, relive some memories. I have some memories. Uh, coming up for today and for all these players um, and all that stuff. So uh, before I get started, please follow us on social media at Locked On A's on Twitter and Instagram. Also, if you follow us on Twitter, you can vote. You can also vote if you don't follow us, but it's easier if you know you, you see it. You get the reminders. So follow us on Twitter at Locked On A's. Uh, I am at by Jason B on Twitter. And if you have any questions for us, please send those to LockedOnAthletics at gmail.com. So today I'm going to be talking about the best catchers of the Bailey Bean era. And for each of these episodes, I'll be going over their stat lines with the A's, war totals, and all that good stuff. But for certain guys, I'll bring up memories that I have of their signature moment with the team, according to me. Uh, I, I don't have checks and balances on this one, so it's how I remember them from the team. So uh, the, the person at the top of the catcher leaderboard with 8.6 wins above replacement in 595 games with the A's, and that is Ramon Hernandez. That's who we were starting this off with. He was the A's catcher from 1999 to 2003. He hit 60 home runs while batting 253 with a 322 on base percentage across five seasons with the A's. One recent memory I have of him was doing some press work back in 2017 when the A's wore their uh, throwback black 2000s jerseys, 2000s era, not the ones with the the white, but just the the black and green. So the A's were going to wear those jerseys and Ramon Hernandez and Barry Zito came out to just have some fun and whatnot. And I distinctly remember him wearing one of those 2000s era black jerseys 
because uh, I was like, hey, I really like these. And I got a press pass for that day so that I could go watch this game of the A's wearing these jerseys. And I was very excited. Uh, I asked Sean Doolittle about them, and uh, he didn't give me anything to work with. So that didn't matter. But uh, Barry Zito did, and that was a lot of fun. So uh, I, I remember watching Barry Zito like a hot because I'm like, oh, this is probably the best player that I'll ever be around. This is a good time. Uh, and he was signing with his right hand. That was weird. But we're talking about Ramon Hernandez. So we're getting back to that. Uh, but actually, real quick, uh, Barry Zito said that these were the best jerseys in baseball. And I kind of got to agree with him on this one. Uh, I think that most people's memory of Ramon Hernandez has to be the same memory of Ramon Hernandez. And it came in the 2003 ALDS against the Red Sox. If you are a young person that does not remember this, here's the story. Uh, that game was Tim Hudson, who was on the A's for a while. He was really, really good. And he was facing Pedro Martinez, who at that time, one of the best pitchers ever to play the game and for like a short period of time. He was one of the best. He was really, really good. So this was a very fun matchup for the A's and Red Sox. Uh, I've said one of my stories from this before. It non-Ramon Hernandez uh, tangent again, but uh, this is the game where uh, Derek Jeter came on to do a PSA like against drugs or whatever and everybody booed. So this is that game for me. This is how I place it. It was a good time. We had seats in the third deck. Just fun teenage memories. But as for the game itself, uh, the A's were down 4-3 to three in the ninth before the A's tied it up against Alan Embry on a Rubio Durazo single that scored Eric Burns. Young Young Kim had uh, walked Billy McMillan. That's a name that I had forgotten. And then he hit Chris Singh in to put two on that necessitated the pitching change, so that's why Alan Embry gave up the uh, the big hit that forced extra innings, and the game stayed tied at four apiece with Keith Folk tossing three scoreless innings for the A's. Forgot about that. I remembered that he was on the team, but three frames, that you don't see that too often anymore, so uh, good job on Keith Folk for that and then being a jerk after that. Um, in the bottom of the 12th inning, Derek Lowe who would be crotch-chopping at the A's dugout by the end of the series. Uh, he started the inning off with a walk to Durazo with, uh, and then uh, Eric Chavez. He grounded into a fielder's choice to get Durazo at second. Then Miguel Tejada, he grounded out, pushing Chavez to second base. Chavi then stole third, which is something that the A's don't do is steal bases. And then uh, Scott Hatterberg walked after Hattie stole second on defes defensive indifference. Lowe intentionally walked Terrence Long, who... I believe, uh, struck out to end the A's season and led to Derek Lowe uh, doing the DX suck it to the A's bench. But, you know, that's uh, that's another time and place. Anyways, let's go back to Ramon Hernandez here. He comes up with the bases loaded, and Ramon Hernandez laid down a bunt that scored the winning run, and the A's took the first game in the series, and it was crazy and amazing. And I also have my own version of this moment in A's history. Um, I'm not sure when it was, but sometime in extra innings, uh, I'm going to say that it was after the 11th inning. Uh, my dad said that it was getting too late and we had to head out because he loves beating traffic. So we beat the traffic. And even though we were in attendance for the game, we did not stay until the end. So I did not get to see it with my own friggin' eyes. I think I heard it on the radio or maybe uh, I heard the fans screaming because they were so happy as we left that that was a common occurrence in my teenage years um and he still feels bad about making me miss this one and he should 
So anyways, that is my Ramon Hernandez memory, uh, kind of, because I didn't get to see it. But uh, Hernandez was traded to San Diego with Terrence Long after the 2003 season, with the A's getting Mark Kotze in return, and Mark Kotze had a big playoff moment of his own. I have not looked to see if uh, he makes the cut for our outfield portion, or, you know, center field portion of, uh, of this Billy Bean era series. So, uh stay tuned. Maybe I'll talk about that memory too, or maybe he'll come up in some other way. Uh, but next up on the war leaderboard is Kurt Suzuki, who caught the most games for the A's in this period with 718 games for the A's. And he accumulated an eight and a half war, according to Fangraphs. And uh, he hit one less homer than Hernandez with 59. He hit for a slightly better average at 255, and he had a lower on base percentage at 311. Um, yeah, so it's kind of a toss up, but Kurt had, uh, he had more games, so there's that. Uh, Suzuki spent his first five seasons with the A's from 2007 to 2011, and then parts of the next two seasons with the A's and Nationals being traded from one team to the other in consecutive August. So, uh, yeah, he's had a fun little career uh, in that his early part of the career. And Zook never got a plate appearance for the A's in the postseason, playing behind Derek Norris and Stephen Vogt in 2013, which was the only season that the A's made the playoffs when he was with the club. Uh, he is still playing. He's spent uh, three years with the Twins before signing with the Braves for a couple of years, and most recently winning a World Series in 2019 with the Washington Nationals. He is uh, currently a free agent entering his age 37 season, but he's actually been hitting a little bit better at than at any point in his career uh, over the last few seasons. So he'll probably land somewhere this winter. Uh, good luck to him on the free agent market. Uh, I don't necessarily have a specific memory of Kurt Suzuki during his A's tenure, but I also kind of think that that's a testament to the kind of player that he is. He just goes out and does his job and isn't flashy about it. And, uh, you know, I, I liked having him. I remember hearing a lot about him and how he handles the pitching staff and all that stuff. It's just not quantifiable and it doesn't show up on the stat sheet. So I cannot personally attest to that. I have not seen that personally firsthand, but uh, he, he was a good catcher for the A's and I enjoyed watching him in the green and gold uh, and good luck to him in free agency this winter. But uh, coming up on the show, I have the next two catcher nominees and coming up on tomorrow's show, I'm going over first baseman. So stay locked in with Locked On A's. I'll be right back. Today's show is brought to you guys by the best tasting protein bar ever, according to literally anybody who's ever had one, and that is Built Bar. The new and improved Built Bar is even more delicious, sir. They have 18 amazing flavors, including nut and non-nut flavors. They have six new flavors, including caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. They also still have their original 12 flavors, so give those a look, and all of their bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They are soft and easy to chew. They are protein bars that taste like candy bars and all of their bars are built for the health conscious person you can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat all their bars are low calorie low sugar high protein high fiber and great for the keto diet i don't know why i do that boxer announcer voice i forget his name but i feel like i sound like him when i do that uh so you're welcome and uh you know what else you'll be welcome for is this promo code for builtbar.com all you got to do is go to builtbar.com use the promo code locked on that is one word locked on and you'll get 20% off of your next order. You also get a free cooler with purchase while supplies last. So use promo code locked on for 20% off at builtbar.com. 
Welcome back to the Locked On A's podcast. If you guys are enjoying the show and you want to hear all about these other guys that we're going to be remembering for the next couple of weeks, make sure to subscribe to the podcast wherever you like hearing podcasts. And also make sure to tell a friend that we're doing this because we're doing it for all A's fans out there. So uh, tell a friend and then everybody gets their A's news in just short little bursts and it's a lot of fun for everybody. Uh, also make sure to follow us at Locked On A's on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at by Jason B on Twitter. And if you have any questions for us, please send those to LockedOnAthletics at gmail.com. Remember to follow us at Locked On A's because that's how you vote in the polls. So uh, that's how that's going to go. But uh, to keep things rolling, next up on the ward leaderboard behind the dish is Derek Norris, who only spent three seasons with the A's playing in 285 games. But Fangraphs has him as the only plus defender and plus bat on the A's list. I mean, to be fair, uh, Sean Murphy's also on the list, but he's further down. So in the top four Derek Norris is the only plus plus on this list. Sean Murphy in a couple seasons will be the best uh, the best guy in the Bean era, even though the Bean era looks like it'll be over by this time. Um, but yeah, anyways, Derek Norris is the only plus plus guy on this list in the top four, and he comes in at number three with a 5.1 wins above replacement. Norris had a 108 WRC plus, which is 8% better than league average, and that was in his three seasons with the A's from 2012 to 2014, and he was also an all-star in 2014, along with basically everybody else on the roster, so good job for him. Uh, with the A's, he hit 246 with a 336 on base percentage. He hit 26 home runs, and those were primarily against lefties. Uh, quick back-of-the-napkin math, I think that he had 16 homers against lefties and 10 against righties, so uh, he was a lefty killer, but his most memorable moment for me was not against a lefty. It came in game 162. Josh Hamilton had already dropped the ball. Uh, this is game 162 of the 2012 season, by the way, just in case you're not familiar with the lingo that I use. Uh, game 162 was always game Game 162 of the regular season in 2012, but I move on. Uh, Josh Hamilton had already dropped the ball on the outfield, and the A's had a three-run lead in the bottom of the eighth, but the game still was not over by any means. It didn't feel like this one was put away just yet, and Derek Norris stepped up to the plate to lead off the inning against Ranger reliever Alexia Gondo. Remember that guy? Uh, I don't. Uh, I mean, I remember the name. I don't remember anything else about him. Anyways, I was in the right field bleachers for this one, and yes, my dad was there too, and yes, we got to stay the whole game for this one because I was an adult at this point. I still am an adult, so I guess I am an adult at this point. Uh, so I could do whatever the hell I wanted. <laughs> and it wasn't my ride was also the other part of it. Um, so I don't know how to say this eloquently, but uh, Derek Norris crushed the fucking shit out of this pitch and he sent it deep to left center, giving the A's a 9-5 to lead. That home run made it feel like the game was officially over. Uh, the A's added three more runs in that inning just to make sure, and the A's won that one 12-5. So uh, that is my main... Derek Norris memory is him really putting that one away. I thought that the homework had actually come in like the sixth and not the, the eighth, but the baseball reference box scores do not lie. So uh, that is my main memory of Derek Norris. He had a pretty short tenure with the A's, but he was also very good for that short period of time. Uh, Norris was traded along with the rest of the roster following the 2014 season. Uh, he went to San Diego for Jesse Hahn and RJ Alvarez. Uh, Norris kicked around for a couple of seasons, but after uh, his declining numbers, against lefties specifically. Uh, he just stopped hitting them. And he also had uh, some domestic abuse allegations. He has not played in the big leagues since 2017. And uh, he was signed, well, he was you know, put on the restricted list in the middle of 2017. And then uh, the Tigers signed him. And he did not make the Detroit Tigers roster in 2018 out of spring training. So he has not played in the big leagues since. Um, 
But moving on from that uh, is the last person on this list, and it is arguably my wife's favorite of the bunch, and that is Jason Kendall, because uh, he, quote, has a nice butt. Um, did I say that right? I, I, okay, cool. Uh, <laughs> this one is one of those weird ones where it doesn't feel like Kendall was around all that long, but dude caught 373 games for the A's. He hit 271 with a 337 on on-base percentage, which are the best marks of the bunch here today, but his WRC Plus was just 80, which is 20% worse than league average, and it was also the worst of the bunch of, you know, the, the A's catchers that I've mentioned today. In his two and a half seasons with the A's, he had a total of three home runs, and I vaguely remember one of them, and by that, I mean, I remember thinking, wow, he doesn't do that very much. I should remember this situation no idea. I remember thinking that I should remember him hitting a home run at some point. Um, and he did, according to one, the stats and two, my memory. <laughs> but uh, what I do remember about him is that he was just one of those guys that wanted to catch as many games as he could. And you know he did, for the most part, over his 15-year career, not all with the A's, obviously. He averaged 139 games a season, and that includes a couple of down years with injury. Uh, in his first season with the A's in 2005, he caught 150 games. And for me, the only real memory that I have other than that faint memory of him maybe hitting a home run at some point, and this memory supports the rationale that he was always in the big game both physically and mentally, and uh, this memory comes from August of 2005 when the A's were facing the Angels with K-Rod on the mound in the bottom of the ninth. After a called ball, the Angel catcher tossed the ball back to Francisco Rodriguez, and uh, he missed it, and then he was kind of just like walking towards it, and it was like halfway to second base, and Jason Kendall just proving that catchers have wheels just dashed home from third for the win that is my memory of that he won a game with speed that was fun and looking at his stats i feel kind of bad that that's my main memory of him and not uh him hitting 294 in the 2006 alcs but uh you know so sorry jason kendall uh he retired in like 2010 20 after the 2010 season i believe after playing with the royals remember that he was a royal for a minute um so yeah those are the catchers on this list uh, I will have a poll up for you guys here shortly, or it's already up by the time you're hearing this. I just have not done it yet because the episode's not posted. But anyways, uh, make sure to follow us at Locked On A's on Twitter so you can participate in the poll. Uh, figure out who is the best of the bean era as we assemble the all bean team. So uh, yeah, that is going to be it for me today, you guys. So until next time, stay indoors and celebrate good times, Oakland. Keep wearing those masks, and I will talk with you guys tomorrow.